0: All right, if you guys haven't heard, we have a new series today. It has a fun name, as you guys have noticed, uh, you know, if you guys have been here for a while. I love really interesting names to sermons, okay? God Divorced. Cool? Everyone's like, we have no idea what you're talking about. Here's the question this morning. Have I divorced God? That's the question. Have I divorced God? Uh... Someone I was talking to about this a few weeks ago um, said something that just really kind of spurred me on to this entire series. And simply put, it's just this idea that we are always trying to make separation, if you would. We always want things to fit neatly in our lives. And with God, it's messy with God, right? Which relationships in our lives are the hardest for us, okay? The ones that have multiple hats. The ones that don't fit very well in these, these boxes. So, For example, kids, right? It's easy to to understand how to relate to our child when they're, you know, a baby, a toddler, whatever. Things start getting a little bit tricky when they start getting older, right? Like when your child starts to become a teenager, there starts to be some kind of like mixed feelings. I used to know how to handle this. It's very simple. You know, I'm the parent of the child. But now these kids are starting to get a little bit older. They have to have some freedom, responsibility. Am I their friend? Am I their parent? Am I the one to correct them? Am I supposed to let them learn from their mistakes? then your child goes and gets married, right? And it gets even what? More confusing. Okay, so I'm still dad, but they're married. What's my role here? How about marriage? Are we friends? Are we partners in life? Are we parents? Are we lovers? What are we, right? It's a very complicated relationship. And so it's very difficult for us to kind of put it in a box. And of course, the hardest of all God, right? Is he, is he Father? Is He Son? Is He all-powerful? Is He all-loving? Is He righteous? Uh, is He compassionate? Is He off in the heavens? Is He near? Is He in me? Is He around me? What in the world are we supposed to do with God? And so this relationship is often the most difficult for us to kind of navigate because it's so hard to put God in a box. But what's amazing is that we found some really convenient ways to do that. And, well, these relationships, you know, what I've found is that when a relationship gets so messy, if you would, when it starts to bleed over to all different things and we can't figure out how to control it. If you're taking notes, that's for you. When we can't figure out how to control a relationship, that's the moment that we start looking for an exit. Okay? When I can't manage you, Whenever I don't know how to get what I want and how to let you get what you want and how to make this thing work, that's when I start looking for an exit. See, it's very easy in a very young relationship to navigate it, okay? We're just getting to know each other, and it's very simple. We're nice to each other. We have fun hanging out. There you go. But the more that we start to open up more and more of who we are, the more that we start to share more and more of our lives, more and more of our strengths and our weaknesses, Okay, things start getting tricky. And what happens in most marriages who end up in counseling with us um, in the office, it's always this kind of frustration where this marriage is getting out of hand. I don't know how to manage this anymore. I don't know how to get what I need and I don't know how to give them what they need. And I'm not even sure if I want to. And see, with God, one of the things I see a lot with people with God is that we always go through in these, these, these highs and lows with God. We get so passionate, we get excited. There's a conference or a Sunday or a moment that really just kind of uh, ignites our passion with God. So we're so excited to, to have more. So we start to pray more, we start to go to church more consistently, whatever it is. And then something happens. There becomes this place where I begin to want more of Him, and I begin to sense that He wants more of me but when I get to this place where I don't know how to get what I want or how to give him what he wants, I just start to pull away. Have you guys ever been to this place before? When you, start, when you don't know how to get what you want from God and you don't know how to give him what he wants, you just start to kind of slowly back out of the room. It's not that you stop having affection for God. It's just that you are frustrated because you cannot manage it. And so what happens with us, and marriages very often, in this relationship with God, is that when we cannot manage it, when we can't figure out how to kind of put things in boxes, whenever we realize that we are just kind of lost with Him, we begin to divorce Him. Now, whenever you are in marriage, okay, with someone, this kind of marriage relationship, all right? Uh you know in the scriptures before i go there you know just know in the scriptures the how you put that the dominant metaphor or uh, the image the picture of how god desires to relate with us is marriage okay we see this from genesis to revelation it's this idea that we would enter into deep trust deep relationship now in your notes if you're taking notes understand this marriage is extreme trust intimacy identification, and cooperation, okay? So what happens in marriage is very simple, right? We are so close, we become one in this way to where the goal of marriage is that we would actually get lost in each other, okay? For example, the idea is that I would begin to know this person, allow them to know me so much that it becomes even harder for me to almost have separation. We would begin to trust each other so much that things that used to be mine become ours, right? Use finances, for example, right? When you were single, you had your bank account, your finances, your money. Some of you who are married still do, okay? I'm not attacking you for that, okay? Ha? Funny? Everyone's like, that wasn't funny, don't talk about that. Okay. That's okay. But... (laughs) Uh, what is happening here to some extent with all of us, okay, is this idea that you know, these finances that used to be mine, here's my money, there's your money, becomes our money, right? I used to have my place, she had her place, and now we share a place, right? I used to have my bed, she had her bed, and now we have a bed, right? I had my family, she had her family, now we have our family, okay? Again, it's this idea that Two separate individuals begin to come together in such a way that you get lost in each other. In essence, it stops being two and becomes one. Okay. Now, I I, I, I believe the apostle talks about this in uh, Ephesians. He talks about the mystery of what happens between man and woman when they come together. It's the idea that the two fleshes become one. And he uses this kind of deep metaphor to talk about the church and Christ. It's this idea that the heart of God is that we will be united with Christ in such a way that the two would be so interlocked, so close, so intimate, so trusting that we would lose ourselves in each other. This is what marriage is supposed to look like. Losing yourself. Not ceasing to have an identity, if you would, but being willing to be identified, being willing to be known as associated with someone else, okay? And so what happens here in this idea of marriage is that we are willing to lose ourselves in and with someone else. Now, when you come to the place of divorce, things change. What happens in divorce is this. We find ourselves in a place where we for some reason are more concerned with me than with you. Right? Okay, we come to a place in divorce where my needs, my feelings, my desires are more important than what? You are. Right? Agreed? Heads? Okay. So the moment that in my mind and my heart and my actions, it becomes about me and not about you. Okay? And it can happen on both sides of this fence, okay? And honestly, it always does happen on both sides of the fence. Whenever the two individuals stop acting, living, being as one, and they choose to revert back to living and being and acting and thinking as individuals, as, as separate entities, now it's time to create separation. We have to divide up everything that used to be one. Okay. We used to have one family, right? But now we have to cut this pie in half and figure out who's going to get what. Who gets the vacation house? Who gets this house? Who gets this car? Who gets that car? Who gets this child or that child? Who gets all the children? Who gets the dogs? You can have the dogs. Yes? Okay. Amen. You can have my dogs any day. Okay. We go from a place where everything is one blob, if you would, okay? It's a beautiful blob. That's what marriage is, okay? We go from this place where we are in absolute unity. We are one. And then the moment that we come to this decision that me and mine are more important than you and yours, or, I, or us and ours, okay? We begin to have to find ways to create separation. We have to find ways to, to slice up the pie. And so from that moment forward in our relationship, if I were to get divorced today, okay, from that moment forward, it would, al- it would always be about what is mine and what is yours. What is your claim? What is my claim? What are my rights? What are your rights? What are my possessions and what are your possessions? What is my space, if you would? You guys remember my space? There we go. Okay. What is my space? What is your space? Now, unfortunately, most of us start start with Jesus with very sincere hearts. There is a moment of extreme emotion. There's a moment of sincerity and what we want is Him. But somewhere after that, there becomes a moment where what we want is what we want. And when that takes place, we begin to change how we relate to God. And so, in our walks with God, when we are in a place of intimacy with God, we in essence are treating it like a marriage. We are trying to figure out, how do I make it less of me and mine and more of yours? How do I find ways to let this person, Jesus, into more of my life? How do I find ways to let go of things that used to be mine? How do I take my grips off of things that I want to hold on to, right? Right? How do I take my bank account and I make it his bank account? How do I take my home and make it his home? My plans, my choices, my dreams, my aspirations, my past, my fears, my junk. How do I find a way to let him in? The moment that we begin to find out that we can't control this, it becomes about finding a way to take care of us. And so from that moment forward, we begin to find ways to divorce ourselves from God. We begin to draw lines in the saying and say, okay. Sunday mornings, that's God's. Monday through Friday, that's work. Saturday, that's all me, by the way. Fun? Here's my finances. Ten percent. That's God's. Or even if you guys are, you know, not even doing that well how about <laughs> occasionally 5 dollars <laughs> that's god's all the rest of it that's mine cuz i need it you know because i need it for what i need i need to pay my things we begin to section off into to slice up our lives to find out what god can have and what we can have because in divorce you don't have the chance to have a clean cut. You cannot clean cut yourself from someone who you are so tied to. What you can only do is try to find a way to, to, to slice up the pie in a way that limits your interaction. Um, picture it like a home, okay? The moment that, you know, imagine that you, you had to stay in this house, but you didn't want to be around that person anymore. Imagine splitting the house in the middle and putting walls through the exact middle of the house. You cannot ever fully separate yourself from the person, but you can at least find ways to, to survive. Okay, you know, find ways to have the least interaction possible with that person. And unfortunately, most of us reach this place very quickly with God. And again, if you're taking notes, we, we reach this place when we, are, when we cannot figure out how to get what we need from God and how to give him what he needs from us. If you guys have your Bibles, go to Second Corinthians. Second Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1. If you guys are ready. It says so So I hope you will put up with me in a little foolishness. Of course, this is Paul speaking over the church. Yes, please put up with me. I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy. I promise you to one husband, to Christ, so that I might present you as a pure virgin to him. Again, the metaphor of marriage again, right? The Apostle Paul is speaking to uh, these people, this church. He's been pouring out his life to prepare them for intimacy with God. He's been trying to prepare them to enter into this idea of marriage. And again, you know, you aren't going to have a ring or anything like that with with Jesus. But again, it's the analogy of the intimacy, the trust, the closeness. So he's saying, I've been trying to prepare you to learn how to live in this way, to share, if you would, to open up your entire life, okay, with God. He says, I've been trying to prepare you to present you as a pure virgin to him, but I'm afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, Your minds may somehow be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. What he's saying here is very clear at the end. He's saying, I'm afraid that in your minds that you are being deceived in a way that it's going to cause you to pull back your devotion to Christ. Okay? Meaning in the way that he was training them to live fully open, fully committed, no walls, completely vulnerable, fully trusting God. In this intimate relationship, he was afraid that somehow they would be pulled away to a place of learning how to create separation from God. Devotion is what, right? It's this idea of being fully cleaving, right? Um, the word devotion has this image, of, you know, as if we're like following someone around, if you would, okay? And it's this idea that we were being prepared to follow him, to have this intense connection and bond and trust, but that the fear that Paul had was that somehow we would be tricked into believing that it was okay for us to let go and to begin again to create separation. His heart was that we would be prepared to enter into deep marriage with God, deep relationship with God. But he was was worried that we would learn and be willing to divorce ourselves from God. The Oxford English Dictionary It says that divorce is a separation between things that were or ought to be connected. um, Divorce is when two individuals break covenant and seek to protect their own individual interests, assets, or well-being. You know, it's one of those things that we all do um, naturally. It's almost instinct for us. We begin to, to find ways to create separation. But it's almost, it's so natural for us, it, it's hard for us to see it um, in ourselves. But I think with God, it's one of the clearest things. I mean, most of us grew up being trained that what God wanted from us was to attend church. He wanted us to tithe. He wanted us to pray. And He wanted us to try our best not to sin. Were you taught that? Okay. Do you think that God wants that from you? Okay. Do you think that that's what He wants the most from you? Okay. Those are outward manifestations or things that begin to pop up in your life when the most important thing is taking place. When you begin to live in deep trust intimacy, closeness, transparency, realness with God, when you truly begin to pursue God the way that you would pursue anyone that you're passionate about, when this relationship begins to be priority in your life, it's the most important thing, these things begin to bubble up. You don't want sin anymore. Who cares about money anymore, okay? Um, Yes, sure, you know, church, I'll be at church and I'll give you every other moment of my entire life. Okay, because whenever the relationship is what is is real inside of you, all these other things begin to pop up. Okay? In the same way that when you begin to separate yourself from from God, when you begin to try to to create separation, when your heart begins to say, I need to protect myself, and when you begin to live in a way to look out for yourself, that's when sin begins to bubble up all in your life. You will begin to miss church. You will begin to take back your money from God. You will begin to to make choices that will hurt you and, and hurt others. In sin. But it's not the root. It's not the most important thing. It's a secondary thing. When you, in your heart, are willing and ready to pursue a relationship with God, everything else will fall in line. If you try to do these outward things, if you try to take care of your tithing, and you're attending church, and you're praying, and you're being you know, holy and righteous, if you try to do those things without relationship, okay, first of all, you will look a lot like the Pharisees. You know, the, one, the only people in the Bible that Jesus actually scolds, gets after, and even humiliates. These people who did all the right things on the outside, but did them with the wrong motives. Secondly, you will only do it as long as your strength lasts. When you hit that rough spot, okay, when that thing happens in your life that you didn't think would happen, when you lose that parent in your life, you know, when your child gets sick, when you get divorced. When you hit the rough spot, you will not be able to keep up all the other outward actions because your strength will fade. But when you are doing this from a, a place of truly desiring God, it, it's, it's a relational thing. Then when you hit that, that patch, you will already be in a place of, of being so connected to God that you will be able to receive the encouragement and the healing and the strength and the peace and the hope that you need to make it through anyway. And it's so hard for us to figure this out. It's so hard for us to examine ourselves and to see this kind of behavior inside of us. And so again, you know, we always begin to revert back to this divorcing of God. It's this idea that everything in our lives we have a claim to. And it's very hard for us to do this as Americans, by the way. Because we have what? What? We have rights, right? We have freedom. and In this country, I have the right to do whatever I want to do. And you know what? That privilege which we have experienced has been such a blessing to us in so many ways. But the one place that hasn't always been a privilege is in our relationship with God. Because we begin to carry things over and believe that we have the right to claim things in our life that were never ours in the first place. Who in the world told you that 10% of your money was God's? My friends, the 10% is to remind you that the 100% is God's. But we get confused and thinking, you know what? I work my butt off, I earn that money. He's lucky I give him 10%. Everyone's like, Whew. I worked so hard on all week long, and I have all these busy things and all this kind of stuff. I don't have time to do more. You know, what? You know it's enough to just go to church on Sundays because I've got so much stuff to go on. Who told you that you have the next second of air to breathe? It's not guaranteed to you. Foundationally, without even knowing it, we have found ways to justify sectioning off our life. Here's what God deserves. Here's what I deserve. Here's what he can have his hands on. Here's what I have control over. Who told you that you have a say on where to go work? Hey, it's my career path. It's my choice on where I want to go work. It's my choice on where I move my family. It's mine, it's mine, it's mine. And then for some reason, all of a sudden, well, if it involves this, then I'll pray about it. Do we have any honest people this morning? Do you pray about everything? Absolutely not. We pray when, one, we need something, right? Or, secondly, when it just seems to fall into one of the boxes that, you know, it's a spiritual thing. But work is work and God is God, church is church, and there's separation. So, the question we have to ask ourselves is, you know, have we divorced God? Here's some questions. We're going to take a little quiz here to kind of to test ourselves. Okay? If you guys have your notes. Here's the, here's the first question. Here are the, the signs, if you would, that you are living divorced from God. Do I envision what my life would be like if I were in control? Now, what's interesting about these questions, there are three or four questions um, studies that have been done on divorce. And there are five to six key things that pop up when people are about to be divorced. Okay, There are mindsets and behaviors that take place in people when they are about to be divorced. And what's interesting was I only had to change two or three words to this to make it fit God. Okay, so this is all these questions are from studies about couples who are about to be divorced. First question, am I constantly envisioning, you know what, if I would have done this, or if I could just do this, or if I... And it's always a picture of us changing our lives. How many of you, instead of that, spend your time praying and thinking about all through the day, I wonder what my life would be like if I let God have control? I don't see a lot of hands. Second question this is going to be a blast. You guys are going to be laughing, it's going to be a riot. Second question. Is Jesus' forefront in my thoughts during the day, or is He an afterthought? Meaning, throughout your day, is your mind constantly going back to God? Constantly going back to God. One of the signs of a healthy relationship is that when the two people are apart, they think about the other. Okay. Time machine, okay? Okay. You go back to a place where in your relationship with your spouse or whoever, it was passionate and it was exciting, new and fresh. You guys there yet? Okay. What happened in your mind when you guys were apart? Come on, speak up. Someone say something. We've thought about them, right? You would picture them. You would think about them. I wonder what they're doing. I wonder if they miss me. I miss them so much, right? Okay. <laughs> What do you think now when you're away from them? (laughs) (laughs) Nothing, right? Nada. You're at work, you're thinking about work. You're eating, you're at lunch, you're thinking about your burger, right? That's where you are. (laughs) Oh, that that, that hurts, right? (laughs) Oh, have mercy. Because we do the same thing in all relationships. The moment that it gets messy, we begin to create separation. You know what? Right now, I'm fishing. right now I'm watching the game. right now I'm at work, and we begin to section off our lives because we cannot handle when these things begin to get messy and cross over. And you know what? I need some space. I need room to breathe. Need some me time. Ladies, right? Some me time. I love my kids, but yeah, you guys get it, right? It sounds so silly, okay? But this is exactly what we do with God. God is not our five-year-old, okay? Like, you know, who's asking a million questions. But God is someone who's always wanting more from us. Um, do you guys have, like, people in your life who, like, always want more? <laughs> um, I don't know. Emotionally, why don't you open up and trust me? Man, why don't you just like talk to me more? You know, what's on your mind? You know, and man, you're like, this is what's on my mind, right? Okay. Those people just kind of on you, right? I mean, like, it's nice at first, but like, like the more they want, right? Like, hey, let's go hang out. Let's do this. You're just like, I need this. Why do we need this? Because we are not ready. We are not ready to share more of ourselves. We're not ready to share more of our space. We're not ready to give up more of our rights. We still want to have my space. Right? And those people in our lives who we begin to push back and we feel like they're suffocating, we do that, and it has nothing to do with them. It's because we do not want to share our time, you know, energy, emotions with that person. Right? Are you picturing faces? You should be, right? You should be. Unfortunately, this is the same thing with God. He's always trying to come closer. He's always trying to slip past these walls that we put up. He's always trying to say, Sunday's great, but can I hang out with you tomorrow? <laughs> right? You're like, oh, eh. I, uh One of the things that happens sometimes, you know, is... It's really awesome people who we have in the church, you know, they want to hang out. And I sincerely, how do you put this? By the grace of God, I've learned to love people, and I actually do. it. It's a real thing, I promise. And I actually enjoy hanging out with them. But like, if it comes to this point where I'm like, I, I can't hang out anymore, right? And I find all these excuses. You know, I got a sermon, and I've got counseling, and I've got blah, 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 right? But what's the truth? I love you, I promise. But what's really going on here, right? I'm going. Okay. Question three. Do I defensively protect my space? Um, In marriage counseling, there's always a thing or an it or a person that is causing all this issue. Um, One of the couples I was counseling... um, there was a friendship. The one spouse had a best friend, okay? And so what was causing this kind of tenseness, all right, was that the other spouse wanted to be the person who spent the most time with them, who they trust the most. But the problem was that the other spouse would actually open up and share their heart and hang out with their best friend. And, and like they weren't willing, okay, to give up that, that space, okay, they liked having a, a best friend who they had all their, they could share their heart with, they knew each other forever, lifelong friends, we have so much fun together, why can't you just respect my space? Why can't I just have this relationship? Right? <laughs> you guys can imagine that's going to be a problem, right? It's not that you can't have friends, right? You know, something that you can have close friends, right? But who's the person who you Who you trust the most. Who's supposed to be the person that you open up with, that you rely on, all that kind of stuff, right? The problem was that this person was unwilling to give up this relationship to let that person slip in. You know, to let their spouse be that for them. And there's always a person or an it or a thing. um, One of the crazy things I remember um, in homes, right, this idea that like the guy had like a man cave. He had a man cave, okay? And she wanted to turn it into a family room. But don't you, but like, can't you imagine like we'd have all the kids in there and we can just, you know, like play like card games and have the fire going? And he's like, no, I want like razorbacks over the walls, you know, that kind of thing. And again, it had nothing to do with the actual space, right? She was bothering and hurt because he was unwilling to, to let her into everything, if you would, right? He was not willing to share. He wanted to protect the space. Now, One of the signs that you are living divorced to God is that there are things you are not willing to let Him touch. You're not willing to let Him touch it. One of the first things for me that was a a huge kind of a sacrifice for me, um, when I graduated high school, I wanted... There were certain dreams and plans that I had for my life. I knew that to get to those dreams, I had to do certain steps. And so what I told the Lord is, okay... If you want me to go in the ministry, then I want to go to one of these ministries and I want to intern. I, you know, they're all big and famous ministries. I want to go here and like, be involved with these people. Or if I need to go to college, I want to go to, you know, a really sweet, you know, impressive Ivy League college. Like, you know, something that looks good on paper, right? And one night I was in prayer and, and like, I just saw, like, UFIS. Now, please, hold up. Stop. UFIS was not what it is now back then. Okay, like, it had just stopped being a community college for one year whenever I went there. It was, like, I don't even know, like, what that campus is now. Okay, like, whenever I show up, I'm lost. So please, it, it was not then what it is now. Okay, so if you're going there, I promise you, it's quite impressive now. Okay. Didn't mean to offend anybody. Okay. But to me at that time, it was not what I wanted, especially in the area that I was going to study. And, and you know, I thought to myself, oh, my gosh, really? Okay. Well, at least if I'm going to do that, let me get involved with this ministry or this church. What do you think his answer was there? Now, this might seem very small to you, but to me, it was my future. It was saying, this is something I've wanted so bad for so long, and if I give this to you, I know that my life's going to go like this. Come on. Be honest. Okay. Okay. I don't want that. Um, and so for me, it wasn't about where I was going to college. For me, it was about the next 50 years of my life that I was choosing to give up. I loved him. I prayed all the time. I was packed by him. I, you know, I tried to follow him. I tried to serve him. He was so important in my life. But even then, I had my space, if you would, that I was trying to hold back from him. Even with the the, the sincere relationship, which I believe we had, I was still living divorced. It's almost like a prenup, right? Yeah, we'll get married, but okay, if anything ever happens, this is mine and that's yours and I keep this no matter whatever happens, right? But if anyone would confess he is Lord, you can be my king, just not over this and this and this, right? Right? Darn. Next question. Is my my communication with Jesus surface level or fully honest? Most of the couples we counsel, when they get to a place where they are being defensive, where when they're separated, okay, You know, they aren't thinking about the other person. It's actually kind of enjoyable, okay? When they get to that place in counseling, what happens here is that um, the only way that they can actually be around each other is if they stay very surface level, okay, you know, when they hang out. The most enjoyable times that they have at this point, okay, like when you're living divorced, things are only okay when you stay on the surface, so if they went on a date and, you know, like they went and saw a movie, you know, like they talked about the food, talked about the kids, everything would be cool. But the moment they start talking about the real stuff, right, the issues, the hurts, the pains, the past frustrations, what do you think happened? That was a bomb, okay? I didn't know. Everyone's like looking at me like, is that smoke? Like, What is it? Okay, that was a bomb. That was supposed to be a bomb. Okay. It was bad. I'll just say that. Same thing with God. Most of us have been in a place with God where we can pray for the kids, we can pray for the finances, you know. We can go to church, we can do communion, you know. As long as we stay surface level. We can sing some songs, okay? But if we start talking about disappointment... We start talking about the places and times where we expected God to do something or to show up or to speak to us or to help us or, you know, heal us even. When we begin to actually pull up the real issues, the reasons that that we can only handle shallow, that's, that's when things blow up. And so again, if you are in a place where when you talk to God, yes, you might pray, you might talk, you might pray all the time. I used to pray all the time, but you know what, what I never prayed about? Where I was going to college. <laughs> you're so good, I love you so much, you're so awesome, you know. <laughs> let's not talk about that, let's talk about something else. Oh, last question. Uh, do I honestly desire and pursue? Closeness with Jesus. We can skip past all the questions, okay, but if you're honest with yourself, if, if you're able to look at yourself in the mirror and say, you know what, truthfully, there are other things in my life that matter more than chasing after Him. There are other things that are more important to me that are more pertinent, that that have my time, my energy, my focus right now than getting to know Him, to trust Him, putting down walls, allowing Him to heal me, allowing Him to direct me, uh, you know, stepping out in faith, whatever. If, if there are other things in my life that are above this, okay, and your marriage, okay, when you can begin to list other things that get more of you invested than your spouse, you are heading down that road. When you will make time to, you know, to go in the work, you will make time to go, do, you know, to go fishing or to watch the game. You will make time for these things, but you will not make time for this person. You are already on your way. And I'm not talking about Sunday mornings, okay? Which, at the same time though, you can probably even start there with Sunday mornings. It is a silly, silly thing, okay? Um, four or five years ago, someone talked to me about tracking attendance. And I said, that's... That's, that's not spiritual. We're not doing that at, you know, here at this church. We're not tracking attendance, okay? And then for some reason, I, you know, I, I decided to try it. We had this system. And so what happens is, everyone in the green is coming, you know, basically like three out of four Sundays. Everyone in the yellow is coming like, you know, twice a month. Everyone in the red was coming once every four to six weeks. It was the craziest thing. The moment that they would hit yellow, they would start to kind of decline to serve, they would be a little bit distant. You know, yeah, they're smiling they're around, but they're just a little bit distant. The moment they would go to red, all of a sudden, they wouldn't respond to your text messages. They wouldn't call you. All of a sudden, you're like, what is going on? It was the most uncanny thing I ever saw. I was like, you know, what in the world's going on here? But we always begin to create separation. When we are afraid, when we are sick, when we're hurting, when we're scared, we begin to protect us. And the only thing that we know to do is to get distance, to create separation. And so again, with that last question, you know, can you honestly tell yourself that the most important thing to you in your life, the place that you see the most of your energy, the most of your, you know, emotional energy even, the most of your resources and your time, where are you putting the most of you? And if you can't honestly say it's God, then what that means is that your relationship is already doing this. I'm not sure if you guys have noticed, it's very hard for any relationship you know, to stay constant anywhere. Relationships either go up and they get, they get stronger, they get healthier, they get lighter and fun, or they begin to, to distance. And it always goes in these flows. And so this morning, again, the, the hard question is this. Have I divorced God? Have I come to a place where for some reason I am needing and, and, and starting to create separation? Have I begun to find a way to create enough separation to where I can just coexist? I can be around Him. I, I, you know, I, can, I can come to church. I can pray once in a while. You know, all that kind of stuff. But it's, I've found a way to find my comfort level to where I have just enough separation where I'm okay. Would you guys stay with me this morning?